Thinnerlogs is a Chicago-based sketch group that writes comedy grounded in shared true, personal stories about our existence as lifelong nerds. We started your stories to give everyone a chance to do what we do, share their own stories, and foster a more heartfelt, welcoming nerd community. Your Stories is about embracing the weird and obscure in your life and asserting your geekdom with a group that gets your references. And, most importantly, Your Stories is a place to bring people up, not to put anyone down. Hey everybody, my name is Eric Arno, and this is the second part of the Nerdalogs Presents Your Stories February podcast. This month, because our live show just moved into a fancy new theater, we are talking about the theme of new beginnings. And we've got stories on the topic from speakers both familiar and appropriately new, including Sawyer Heppies, Charlie Madsen, Devlin Rock, Kevin Abner, Alex Zarita, and Chris Geiger, plus music from myself and Dwight Hassler. So have you ever listened to this podcast and you thought, Man, I would love to tell a story, but I can't get to the live shows for some reason. Maybe you don't live in Chicago, maybe you work every Sunday. I don't know. I don't know your life, guy. Or girl. But, that's not a problem anymore, because starting soon, we are launching Your Stories Online, a internet-only repository of stories, and a home for all the stories that we just can't hear at the theater. So, if you've got a story you would like considered for Your Stories Online, go to our homepage at yourstories.podbean.com, and scroll down about three posts for information on how to submit. You'll know the post when you see it. Uh, I'll keep submissions open for this month's theme through the weekend. Uh, so if you've got something on New Beginnings, get it to me by Monday, which would be the 18th. Uh, I can't wait to hear your stuff. So it's a pretty busy weekend for the Nerdalogs. If you happen to get a ticket to our sold-out show tonight with the creators of Cards Against Humanity, well, good for you, because, like I said, it's sold out. But we love doing shows with those guys, and hopefully we'll have lots of chances in the future to make good things happen with them, so keep your ears open for that. Uh, this Sunday is our next live Your Stories recording at the Public House Theater, 3914 North Clark Street. Our theme this month is one I am super excited for, Fan Fiction February. So you can either come read some of your own fan fiction, or just talk about what that topic makes you think about. Uh, the show starts at 7 on Sunday, and as always, it is totally free, so please come share. So I think that's all the new business I've got for you today. Uh, as always, thanks for listening, and also as always, if you like what you hear, you can donate some money to our cause via PayPal on our homepage. Again, that is yourstories.podbean.com. Hope to see some of you guys this weekend. This is how... Uh... This is how we usually play music, not with an overhead beat, but just me and Dwight uh, playing some guitar. It's a new beginning. Yeah. <laughs> so, so we actually went on the Facebook event and asked you guys, like, which artists would, yes we did, which artists would you like to hear? And it was a really close three-way tie, or not a tie, but a really close top three. And uh, here is your number one winner with 14 votes. Uh, <laughs> There were like 60 votes all told. That's pretty good. Yeah, I can see it. All right, guys. Uh, this is Weezer. Did it? 
Look down at my feet I was next to you And you were right there next to me And I said, safe to say that 2012 sucked. Anybody else with me there? <laughs> Mediocre feelings? Here, yeah. If good things happen to you, I, I don't want to take that away from you, but for me, despite moving out here uh, and, and starting things, it was a real, real struggle this year. Uh, not as bad as other people have had it, obviously, but it was rough. Um, some may know or don't know, if I don't mention enough, I got my degree in acting. Uh, you know, a useful degree. Um, <laughs> And uh, you want to know how many auditions I've actually left my apartment and gone out for and done, like, face-to-face -face real auditions since I've been out here? Zero. 
Uh, I did one at Northwestern for a student film, but let's be honest, those don't count. Uh, and fuck Michael McDonald for not casting me in a stupid film. Yeah, that's a made-up name. Um, but, uh, so, and I had a habit of making every excuse in the world for it. Now, granted, I was on Actors Access, but there was no leap, there was no commitment with that. All it was was a headshot and a resume. That's it. And my headshots are severely outdated at this point. Um, no longer thanks to Shelby in a week or so here. Thank you very much. Uh, Shelby was able to find my perfect price range, which was free. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, but, uh, and, you know, I don't know um, if people are familiar with the idea, those who don't um, do acting probably aren't, that a lot of time in acting you get kind of cast as a type. Even if you're a character actor and do broad characters, that's still considered a type. Um, my type is normally, one, the trusting, very nice, enthusiastic friend. My other type is typically the skis ball, is the sleazy uh, Barney Stinson without being Neil Patrick Harris, basically. Um, uh, to pull from like another uh, classic 90s show, it'd be Sly on California Dreams would be kind of that. Uh, no one remembers that show? All right. Uh, <laughs> I remember that. Shit. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, and to where, and where the proof lies is my senior year of college, uh, my very last show that they did, we did a rape awareness play. You know, something fun. Um, <laughs> my, one of my professors actually said instead of getting up there and doing dialogue, we should have just had baseball bats that said rape and beat the audience over the head with them. <laughs> Um, and I played two skeezy characters in that. One, and it was one of those very monologue-heavy plays, um, one was where this other girl does a monologue about the teacher that was the cool teacher that had her stay after class, and he wasn't so cool anymore, uh, while I lurked in the shadows providing the silhouette of the creepy teacher. Um, <laughs> My first pose was to just do this, but they said something a little, uh, a little more dynamic. Um, uh, the other character I played was the guy that was too cool for school that got caught for uh, hollering at chicks as they left the gym class. And that's when I realized I was a pig. Um, and... Uh, so it was a running joke, a lot of my friends that I play, like, creepy uh, sex offenders. Um, and, and, it, and it happened, because I had an agent in uh, Virginia who was also within my price range, free. Um, and she helped give me a couple of cool auditions. I was almost on an episode of One Tree Hill, where I played this skeezy uh, pizza guy who shows up when one of the actresses was in her underwear. And it's, it's something stupid, like, did you want sausage on that? It was something really bad. Um, but I did finally land a role. I have been on television. Those who watch FBI Criminal Pursuit are familiar with my work. Um, <laughs> to give you the idea, the episode was called Stolen Innocence. <laughs> In case you're wondering, it wasn't my innocence that was stolen. Um, I played one of many people in where this little girl grew up, apparently in the creepiest trailer park in the world, 
because uh, my character and his stepdad were known for bringing little children into their trailer, <laughs> taking pictures. And something I found out after it premiered uh, at 2 a.m. watching with my parents, that the stuffed animals were used for masturbation, because uh, they don't tell you everything in the script. Um, so that was one of my first big like auditions for, the t- for television. And what they do is they're like, well, just improvise. And I'm like, okay, I'm sure there's stuff in the script. They give you a rough guideline. It just says they're two creepy guys being interviewed in a trailer, and that's it. And so I'm in there doing a one-sided little, oh, yeah, officer, no officer, no, stuffed animals, they're mine, stupid stuff like that. Um, and I landed it, and it was fun, and I got paid 100 bucks for the day, and it was awesome. Um, and it's been my claim to fame for the longest time. Now... A few months ago, I got another audition notice from that same casting company. And this time, it was a very different audition. I was like, please, nothing weird and creepy, nothing weird and creepy, nothing weird and creepy. I read down. There is no dialogue. It says that my character proceeds to rape this woman with a fire poker. I did that audition. I was talking to a number of my friends who were excited that an audition came my way, and they kept saying, you know, you don't have to do it. And I said, no, I think I do. No. So I recorded it on my computer. Oh, oh one, I, I know. <laughs> I've deleted it. <laughs> um, sent it out. Sadly, I didn't hear anything back, which was like bittersweet, I guess. Um, and it made me realize What the hell am I so afraid of going out and auditioning for when I did a pantomimed rape scene in my apartment, which thankfully my roommate didn't walk in on? (laughs) I should be pantomime raping every audition out there that I can get my hands on, figuratively speaking. (laughs) I should have nothing to fear anymore considering that I was willing to take that leap and do the most ridiculous audition in my life that I should be out there. And that's why I'm taking this opportunity to take a fresh start. Um, Ah, didn't say. (laughs) Um, I should be out there and actually finding auditions. And thanks to Shelby, I now have headshots almost on the way. I got some buddies that have helped me put a reel together with sketches that I've done, rape-free sketches. Uh, And... My new beginning for this year is that I'm going to start getting out there and auditioning and no more excuses. Thank you, guys. Charlie Madsen. Um, For those that are curious, the championship games were played today, and it will be Drew Brees and the Detroit Lions versus Eli Manning and the Houston Texans in the Super Bowl next weekend. On my computer. Uh, If you guys don't know what Charlie's talking about, listen to the Producers Picks episode of the podcast, and you will hear an amazing story. I'm an insane man with too much time on (laughs) Yeah, how much time? I played that AFC Championship game three times because I wasn't convinced the Texans won. (laughs) Three times. At 14 minutes a quarter, which is a lot. Alright. So, real talk. This January is now the fourth January where I have been dumped. So, because the theme of the evening is a new beginning, it would seem apropos to write about rebooting from a breakup. You know, doing something about holding down the shift key so you can restart your heart. Yeah. 
Yeah. Enter safe mode so we can fix the problems. I considered an in-depth monologue about feelings and sense of self. And then I thought, fuck that noise. I should do something that makes me happy based on a topic that, of nerdery that is dear to me. So, for my first story of the year on the subject of Nerdalogs, Your Stories, A New Beginning, I will be talking about Friday the 13th, Part 5, A New Beginning. <laughs> now, Friday the 13th is one of my favorite franchises. It's as important to me as James Bond or Star Trek. Not because it's of a high quality, so much as the enjoyment factor. If film were pizza, <laughs> this series would be Red Baron. <laughs> it's not good. It's not good for you. But hey, man, pizza. <laughs> now, when we discuss Friday the 13th, it's important to note that we will only be discussing the run with Paramount Pictures. Beginning in 1980, with Kevin Bacon in the original, taking us all the way to 1989 when Jason allegedly took Manhattan. Yeah. <laughs> Even though 90% of that movie takes place on a fucking cruise ship. <laughs> okay, so once New Line Cinema took over in 93, Jason had an evil heartworm. He went to hell, he got uploaded to space, he fought Freddy. And then he got one of those Platinum Dunes re Dune remakes, you know. The one where everyone's favorite villain finds a more visceral way to murder hotter, sassier women that have cell phones. <laughs> yeah. So, I would consider the New Line films non-canon, honestly. And as far as this conversation is concerned amongst us, we will only be focusing on the first eight films, which were all released during the 1980s. <laughs> Now, on our last adventure in part four, a group of teenagers, a group of teenagers, including the young Crispin Glover, have rented a cabin for the summer at Crystal Lake. Of course. Because they don't read the news. A bunch of people died there? Fuck it, let's rent a cabin. Jason Voorhees has risen from the dead in the morgue. Of course. <laughs> because his spidey sense tells him there are unwed teenagers boning by his leg. <laughs> Not happening. <laughs> now, little does Jason Voorhees know that something even more sinister lurks by the lake. A young boy named Tommy Jarvis played by Corey Feldman. <laughs> After all the sexy 80s teenagers are hacked up, it comes to a final showdown between Corey Feldman and Jason Voorhees. Feldman shaves his head in an attempt to impersonate a young Jason Voorhees. This frightens and confuses our <laughs> Jason doesn't know what to do. He sees his childhood self screaming at him, and Feldman takes this moment of pause to hack Jason to death with a machete. Now, part four was titled The Final Chapter, and we're only halfway through the series. <laughs> the producers chose this title before they realized their film with a $2 million budget would make $33 million worldwide. <laughs> Which leads us to a new beginning. This is the second of the three-film character arc of Tommy Jarvis. The only reoccurring character survived the series. Sadly, in this movie, he's not played by Corey Feldman. <laughs> After being haunted by his encounter with Jason, Tommy is shipped off to a mental institution with the other misfit teens, one of whom is a friendly fat kid named Joey. 
Joey's decked out in sweatpants and his mouth is covered in chocolate. <laughs> Fat Joey accidentally provokes an angry teen named Vic. A mental patient who, for some reason, is allowed to chop wood with an axe. <laughs> Once Joey enrages Vic, Vic chops him to pieces. <laughs> and he's kicked out of the mental institution. <laughs> Obviously. Uh, Vic, not Joey. Joey. <laughs> Marking the first time that someone besides a Voorhees was involved in murdering someone in the series. Now, Joey's death creates a stir in the area and leads to a series of completely random murders, including road flare to the mouth, oh. throat slashing, garden shears to the eyes, oh. and a belt wrapped around a tree to the eyes as well. <laughs> Symbolic. Uh, also, and of course, impalement inside of an outhouse and general machete wounds. Now, we, the audience, are supposed to think that Tommy Jarvis is the killer because we never see the assailant until 70 minutes into a 90-minute movie. <laughs> the killer turns out to be an ambulance driver who cleans up Fat Joey's corpse. In a shocking twist, he's also Fat Joey's estranged father. <laughs> so apparently he assumed the identity of Jason Voorhees, put on bald cap makeup, found a hockey mask, and went on a killing spree. Anyway, they eventually killed the ambulance driver, whose name is Roy. And afterwards, Tommy is in the hospital because he got a little machete wounded himself. And he somehow, through all this trauma, ends up putting on the hockey mask, and supposedly he's supposed to be the next Jason, even though he wasn't. <laughs> this is by far the worst film in the series. <laughs> I said that 10 years ago when I first watched it, and I stand by that statement. I wanted to give it another try because that was the theme of the month. <laughs> but it is flat out terrible. And honestly, being a decent Friday the 13th movie is a very low bar to me. In part seven, he fights a girl with telekinesis. And still, that one is significantly better. This is lazily directed, it has poor lighting, there's no dynamic visual style, all the characters are either rednecks or porn actors doing a faux Brooklyn accent in the middle of the woods. There are literally greasers in this movie. There are extras from Greece in this movie. Now, I don't want to just poop all over this movie. It was a bold choice to not have the movie at Camp Crystal Lake and also not have the killer be Jason Voorhees. Although the guy does wear a hockey mask, this feels a little bit more like fan fiction. The producers also realized the error of their ways, and so in part six, my favorite of the series, Jason lives, and he gets struck by lightning, and is brought back to life by lightning, and he's pretty much indestructible. So they have to chain him to the bottom of the lake like a sea monster. That is a sequel. Just like Star Trek, by the way, two and six are the best. Four doesn't have humpback whales, but it's got Corey Feldman, so. Alright, so, that's kind of the thing about new beginnings, right? I mean, you want it to be a fresh start. You know, where it's all clean and new, but things don't always go as well as your first try should. You stumble out of the gate sometimes. You make bad choices. You screw up a lot. But you kind of need to, right? Like, the thing you eventually learn is balance, and you learn to course correct, and eventually you start to get the hang of it. Now, a lot of people talk about things like being in a new theater, making new friends, moving on. 
So if I can get you a quote from the great Winston Churchill, success is not final. Failure is not fatal. It is the courage to continue that counts. So even if your new beginning is off to a rough start, just remember that sooner or later a lightning bolt is going to strike you in the heart and reanimate you. <laughs> and you'll be decapitating stoned, horny teenagers in no time. <laughs> Let me plug real quick one of my personal favorite uh, horror movies set at a camp. If you guys haven't seen Sleepaway Camp, it's on YouTube. It is fantastically awful. Uh, then listen to the podcast, How Did This Get Made, where they talk about it. <laughs> Do I got a pause for How Did This Get Made? Yeah. Yeah. Paul Shear is my homeboy. I love Paul Shear. Uh, all right, we got some newcomers telling stories tonight. Up first is Devlin Rock. That uh, that belt buckle, that is killer. Yeah, I dressed for the occasion. Yeah. Yes. All right. Okay. Cool. So uh, I like comic books and video games. Surprise. Yeah. And um, since we're on the topic of new beginnings, not there is he? Okay. Good. I'm actually want I want to talk about some origin stories. One in particular. See, of all the comic books I love, we have origins bitten by a radioactive spider. Phil, their bones are filled with metal. But the one I have to laugh at and just I hold near and dear to my heart the most is witness his parents get shot, dressed up as a goddamn bat. <laughs> See, of all the detective comic book characters, that's DC for you youngins. I think I'm the youngest one here. Astro. Of all the DC comic book characters, Batman is the most human. We have Superman, who by some chance fell into butt-fuck nowhere and is suddenly the moral, like, epitome. We have Wonder Woman, who's possibly lesbian. We have uh, Hal Jordan, a vacuum of personality. But Batman, Brucey Wayne is one of my favorites, but he's by far the most flawed. He's this character who lives in the darkness, but claims he's good. But he lives on the edge of moral ambiguity. I don't understand it because one, he never kills anybody. Two, he never kills anybody. Three, he never kills anybody. <laughs> Bruce, who are you fooling? You're as good as the Superman. You're not that bad. But when I think about it, he is actually kind of a dick. First of all, let's look at all his uh, sidekicks. Prepubescent boys. <laughs> Little girls. What a dick. I need to <laughs> when you have villains, sadistic clowns, giant fucking crocodiles, men who can freeze you instantly, who are you going to call? Nine-year-old Timmy. <laughs> and while we have Tony Stark, the Iron Man, who, f who openly funds his vigilante ways, Bruce is all like, no, I don't. What are you talking about? I'm so good. I, I'm so good to the environment. Bruce. Wait, what's it called? Bruce. Wayne Tech. Wayne Tech. No one answered that. Thank you. <laughs> you have Wayne Tech, who just does something. What the fuck does Wayne Tech do exactly besides find Bruce Wayne's hobby? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, the movies kind of delved into that because I mean, thank God, Chris Nolan actually had a logical city where they're like, hey, Wayne Tech, what do you do? And then Bruce was just like, shut the fuck up. I don't know. 
<laughs> Second of all, he is this handsome, he's not an ugly person. He's not a Wade Wilson. He's not a Wolverine who's just... <laughs> he's not... Like, when, when I hear girls say, like, oh, Wolverine's so hot, like, what do you find... <laughs> what what's attractive about that? Bruce though, he's he has money. He has a t chiseled chin. I'm he's not Michael Keaton, but you know. <laughs> and he's a loner. His his two best friends are, as I said, a nine-year-old and an old British man. <laughs> Where the hell is his, are his women? Where's because like I know most of the time he uses his women as cover. But Selena Kyle, the Catwoman, Talia Al Ghul, and Ninja Princess. Why the hell don't they stay by him more? Like, why aren't they living with him? Because I have to serve and protect them. Well, you have to protect the people from what, Batman? From the villains. The villains you refuse to kill? <laughs> <laughs> and his ego. Think about every single Bat toy. What's on it? <laughs> his logo. He's as bad as the Riddler. He wants someone to find him. He wants someone to be like, hey, Bruce, what's with all the, the <laughs> bad shit? Me and Batman are bros. But you have to love him for all these stupid ass problems he has. Because, sure, he's handsome, has money, and he's a he's the goddamn Batman, but. Who? He's still flawed, because I think he's mentally challenged. But we love you, Batman. <laughs> 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 I could, I could talk about Batman forever, but uh, I will say that... <laughs> <laughs> Um, and I even forgot. I even forgot what I was gonna say. Oh, I do. I do gravitate towards the conception of the character where he does kind of have something a little wrong with him. I like the idea that Batman isn't totally together. Like, um, which is why I know it was supposed to be like goofy kid stuff. I didn't really care for the Brave and the Bold as a cartoon. Like, I'm like, give me the animated series. Like, give me a guy with demons, right? And, like, the best epilogue to that ever is in the Justice League episode epilogue, where Terry McGinnis, Batman Beyond, finds out he is, like, half a clone of Bruce Wayne. And he's like, if I'm a clone of Bruce, like, my life is fucked. Like, Bruce treats everyone like shit. This is what awaits me. And, and the woman who cloned him goes, you know, if you don't want to be Bruce Wayne, just treat people better. And that, to me, is, like, the perfect epilogue to Batman. versus nurture. Exactly. Yeah. Once, once again, Batman returns to our conversation. <laughs> How did this conversation of Batman begin? Alright, anyway, Kevin Abney, everybody. I too kind of wish we could just keep talking about Batman all night. But I didn't think about that beforehand. Um, I know you're not necessarily supposed to always buy into the theme, but Sort of naturally, there's nothing I can do about it. This is my first time here, so that yeah. is a new beginning. No, the first time in the theater space, so that's also a new beginning. And while I've done a couple of things similar to this before, this is really my first time here. And I'm just sort of starting to explore an idea like this, like 
like a new puppy, sort of, you know, getting to know the surroundings, you bring it to the house, he needs to get his nose and everything, figure out what's going on. And that's my terrible segue from the new beginnings into what I'm going to talk about here. <laughs> now, I have a dog that has sort of ruined me as a dog person. I used to be a dog person, and my current dog has sort of taken that away from me. <laughs> I, I, I know I'm a cat person or a puppy person. I'm okay with puppies, but once you get a little past that, they have these... Especially a lot of animals I have, I seem to be attracted, or animals with weird quirks seem to be attracted to me. And, and even normal things that dogs do doesn't really make sense to me. Like, I've never, I finally think I started to figure out, I never understood why dogs just hate mail carriers so much. And my dog would bark every time he'd show up, and I wouldn't get it, so that'd make me mad, and it was just this cycle of anger, I just, it wasn't working out. So I thought about it for a while. And it's really, it's just a simple misunderstanding. If you think about it, the dog doesn't understand that the mailman's bringing us mail. <laughs> and if you take that out of the equation, it really is, it's something to get mad about. <laughs> if you consider this person coming to your house every day, at the roughly the same time, and he just sort of... <laughs> never is anything. And just when you think you're starting to figure him out, it's like, this guy in these shorts, he's going to come up at 3 o'clock today. He's going, where is he? And you know, as the owner, it's Sunday. This is no real thing. But the dog doesn't get it. He's going, all right, six days in a row he was here. He's not here. What the fuck is he planning? He's not here. And just, if you just go home and you sit down with your dogs and you explain to him, he's bringing us a package. The dog is going to stop barking. He's going to figure everything out. And I wish it was that simple sometimes that you could just sit something down and explain it the air of its ways, because then everything would just be so much simpler in life. You mentioned sports briefly earlier. I'm not a huge sports guy, but something I don't understand. I watch European football. I watch soccer. It's one thing I watch, and that's it. And I think it's a, such a minor detail, but what I like about that is their World Cup is the world. It's everybody. It's all the country. And here, I don't understand who gave the National Basketball Association the right to decide the world champion. <laughs> I mean, I don't, I don't know if it's strictly an American thing, because I don't really follow South Korean stock car racing, so I don't know what... <laughs> but I wish that we could just sit things down and explain to them that, you know, this is how it's supposed to be. And that's all I've got. Thank you. As an aficionado on South Korean stock car racing, let me tell you a thing or two. I've got a spreadsheet for that. Oh, shit. Charlie, what gave you the right to determine the world championship? Charlie. I have all the Oh, one more newcomer. We have Alex Zarita. Yeah! You're all really good looking. That makes me sad. It's a little bit more intimidating. If I walked up here and everyone was trolls, I'd feel better, but you're pretty. Each and every one of you. You in the back? You're right there. And you guys. There's a few trolls. Hey, don't hit on any better. So, speaking of trolls, and, and creatures that are not so accepted in the mainstream world. I have been a professional haunted house actor for the past five years. Now, this happened completely by chance. My friend going, hey, do you want a job? And I'm like, at the time I was about 16, 17. I'm like, oh yeah, like, I can get a job. I'll work in a sandwich shop, whatever. He's like, no, it's at a haunted house. And I'm like, 
that a haunted house? And they're like, yeah, you have to audition for it. It's going to be this long, complicated process where you have to make your own character and they're going to judge you and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, oh no. I've never been scary before in my life. How am I going to do this? And so I show up panting. The whole time I'm texting my friend just like, what if they don't like me? He's like, shut up. What, what, what if I don't get it? He's like, shut up. And I'm like, what if, what if I pee my pants? He's like, shut up. You will be. Don't shut up. And so I go there. And I walk in. And I'm like, hi. And I'm just terrified. And everybody's scary looking. Big, burly dudes, beards, angry faces. And I walk up there. And the first thing I do is everybody's standing around this, this Hearst limousine. And there was a, a stack of haunted house magazines. And I'm like, I think I'm going to open one be a little bit social. And I go over it. And I pick up one. And the whole pile falls over, all over the floor. And everybody turns and just goes, what the fuck? And these are, mind you, like over 300-pound veteran haunted house actors who've worked in the industry for about 12 years. And I just pissed every single one of them off by spilling magazines. Um, and so after I almost died, the manager comes up to me. And I'm like, so can I be an actor? And he's like, can you be scary? I'm like, yes. He's like, all right, you got it. I'm like, that's it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's it. And I'm like, all right, that, that was a lot simpler than I thought it was going to be. And the, uh, the first day I worked there, I walk in, I'm just like, so what am I going to be? I'm excited. What am I gonna be? And there's a big board in every single room, everything from a mausoleum to a butcher shop. And they look at me, and they're just like, hmm, you're skinny. And I'm like, yeah, I'm aware of that. And they go, how do you feel? about mummies. And I go, I, I haven't met any, so I can tell you. Um, and they're just like, we have a mummy costume, we're going to put you in the swamp, you're going to be a swamp mummy. I'm like, I don't know what a swamp mummy is, but I'm going in there. And it's this giant mummy costume that is made out of wool. And this is one, this is my first year, and it was like the weird nights in October when it's like, 90 degrees. And this is inside of a warehouse with no ventilation. <laughs> oh I had no relief inside this giant full-body sweater, except for a convenient little zipper on my crotch, which saved me throughout the whole night. So after, after I lost about five pounds from sweating that night, I, I found my calling in this mirror maze. Now, imagine a huge, large room in this labyrinth where there's mirrors everywhere and there's strobe lights constantly going off. And you're looking around, and you, you think you see something, but you're not sure. And you see something dark past you, and you're like, ah, what was that? And you see something you're like, oh, that was something else. And you run into a mirror, because there are mirrors everywhere. And basically, our characters are, we were lost inside this mirror maze for so long that we've gone batshit crazy. And we've gone to, like, tear on our skin. We're, just, we're psychopaths. And so I've been that monster, character I call Zephyr, for the past five years. Now... The haunted house that I work at was very, very popular. We were featured on Travel Channel on American Haunts, and we were voted number one in Illinois multiple times. We were very scary. Now, we, we, uh... <laughs> <laughs> We ran into some trouble. We ran into some trouble in the Halloween of 2011. On Halloween night, somebody broke into the, our haunt and stole our safe. And in that was mostly everything that we had. And it was a mixture of that and the, the area that we were in. 
the, the land was being sold. And so this past year, our haunted house was sold. And that was incredibly sad. But I lost a second family. And that was very, very hard on me. But I went out with the bang. Everyone went out with the bang. So in the haunted house community, if you go to a haunted house, a good one, mind you, you're, you're going to be waiting in line if, if it's a scary haunted house. Now, haunted house, what they're going to do is they're going to have actors in the line constantly running around and scaring you and interacting with you. Now, that's, that's an honorable title to have. Like, if you're a line actor, you're in the upper echelon of scary. Like, you are terrifying. You have a fun character, and you're just overall a big pile of boo. Now... <laughs> Um, my, I hear rumors that my manager's letting people go outside and be a line actor for the last night. And I'm like, this is it. Probably going to be a line actor. And I go up to my boss, I'm like, can I work in line? Please, please, please. And she's like, don't do that while you're in costume, but yes. And so I'm like, all right. I'm so excited. And I, just, I was running outside and I'm ready to go outside into the line. And the whole time I'm running, I, the thought of what am I going to say? It's not crossing my mind. And so the door opens, I run into the line, and I see, before I can even think about what to say, my character takes over. Now, there was this, this gay couple, and they were standing, they were just about to go in. Now, as soon as the door opens, and they're about to walk in, they see me running after them in full force. They freak out. One of them hits the wall behind them, starts screaming. And I hear one of them whisper, Michael, no, don't let him get me. Like, at that, that moment, I had no idea what it said. And then it clicked. I go up to him, like, yes, Mike! <laughs> Tell me, what do you fear? And I just start, I start messing with Michael. And he's freaking out. And he pulls out his phone. And he's like, he, he was like shutting off his phone for something. I'm like, Michael, who are you calling? <laughs> Please? And this person's just like, man, she's up against the wall, just freaking out. I'm gonna leave Michael alone. And then finally, it's their turn to go inside the house. So they leave, and I'm like, bye, Michael! I'm just so excited to, to see him. And then I hear from behind me, he better not talk to me. And I turn, and the person directly behind me is like, ah, shit. And the first thing I say is, is your name Michael too? And they're like, no. And I'm like, it is now. Females were just like, I'm like, ooh, what's your name? Yeah. <laughs> Very pretty. And they're like, my name's Shannon. I'm like, no, it's Michael. Like, no, it's Shannon. They go, no, it's Michael. And they go, it's Michael. <laughs> and so I continued this. I had this pattern. And what I did was, it was towards the end of the night, so the line was inside the house itself. So I was walking through, and every like three or four person, I'm like, Michael, 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 you know, interacting with them, calling Michael. And I got to the end of the line. What do I do? I have this idea. I bring up a chair, to the end of the line, I stand on top of it, and I go, Hey, Michael! <laughs> and 20 people turn back. <laughs> and I go, Yes! <laughs> yes! <laughs> and this character is so fun just because it's so interactive and I get to mess with people in the best ways. Now, when it's not Halloween season, and if it's in the middle of the haunt season from like, January, February, or like around then area, or like the month before the haunted house. 
I started to get into my character in social settings, which is not a very good thing at all. <laughs> so I recently got a job as a graphic designer in my school, and I have to go to a conference that I designed for. Now, everyone's talking about sexism, ageism, racism, and all these, these hefty issues. Now, we each sat at different tables, and across from me is sitting this old lady who's a nun at the school. She grabs the microphone, and she just says, well, I'm afraid of of teenage boys. I mean, they're, they're oh scary. <laughs> and for some reason, at that moment, I blacked out, and I start laughing like my haunted house character. <laughs> 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 and I catch myself, and I'm like, oh no. And right next to me, my manager is just staring at me, just like, what are you doing? <laughs> I'm sorry. So, all in all, this haunted house was a great, it was a new beginning for me. <laughs> and now that the haunted house is over, which is, is tragically sad because I lost a family and I'm used to this for five years, I'm kind of forced to pick another haunted house, or I'm forced to create a new character, a new environment, a new beginning. And, and through this new beginning, I'm... <laughs> 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 Through that, <laughs> I am able to continue on being a freak and continue on being scary, and I would not have it any other way. Thank you. Thank you so much, Michael. All right, uh, we got one more monologue for you tonight. We're going to close it out with the Nerdologues member, also a producer at this theater. So maybe if you have a show, you should talk to this guy. Mr. Nope, Chris. Don't. don't. You know what? No one ever talked to Chris got here, everybody. <laughs> Hi guys. How's everyone doing tonight? Good. Uh, I don't. I don't want to turn this into a dark night. That was my joke, Chris. Uh, <laughs> Uh, but, uh, I'm still gonna do it. <laughs> uh, so, uh, last week, uh, last Friday, I was, was, I was experiencing my new beginning, um, of, uh, working on the theater. We actually started to, um, get into the space and start cleaning up. I spent, oh, you know, like 12 hours in this room clearing up back rooms and dump, taking out trash and everything. And for me, that was an incredibly big deal because I, I spent four years in college doing theater, you know, uh, having a home base. I don't know if, if, if any of you do theater, there's a very big sense of having a home base, like that stage that you, that you kind of love, you know. Um, and I haven't had that in a long time, so I, I felt very strongly about this being my home base. So I was very excited to spend the entire day here, and then uh, when I left, I went to Chicago Sketchfest, and I caught a show, and then when I left uh, the Sketchfest that night around 11 o'clock, I got mugged and carjacked. Uh, um, and I'm telling this, one, for to get this story on a podcast, so when people ask me what happened, I can just point them at the podcast. <laughs> 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 and for two, because there's, you know, poignant shit and yada, yada, yada. So what happened uh, that night 
was one of the most horrifying experiences of my life, and I lost my entire house to a hurricane in Mississippi. <laughs> um, I was walking up a street. It was just in, you know, it was off Lakewood. It was about two blocks north of Belmont, off of Southport and Roscoe, not very far from civilization, and two guys came up behind me and mugged me. They put a knife to my throat, took everything out of my pockets, told me if I said anything, they would cut me in my throat and kill me. Um, so I said, you can have everything I own. <laughs> and I won't say a word. Uh, and then they found on my keys that there was a car key. And they were like, where are you going? And I was like, you know, I'm just going home. And they were like, well, where does this go to? And I was like, it goes to my car. And they are like, where's your car? And when, a guy, when two guys are standing there and one of them has a knife at you, you don't lie. So I said, my car is right around the corner. And they walked with me. Uh, with a knife to my back to my car, where they proceeded to try to get me into the car. And I refused. I said, if this is going to happen, then I want it to be on my... I want to fight for it, you know. Uh, and then, after a brief struggle, they got into the car, and I held on to the inside of the car door like I was Superman trying to stop it from going. Also, because I was very nervous and my hands tensed up, they gunned it, and I started running alongside my car. Uh, and for a brief moment, everyone kind of thinks they're an action hero. And I thought for a brief moment that I could, I could pull this guy in such a way that he would crash my car. Because if he, if he was going to try to take it, then I didn't know what was going to happen to it. And I was like, well, if he's going to take it, then I'm going to crash him. You know, fuck my car. Just fuck this guy. And he stared me in the eyes as he's gunning it. And I'm running alongside the car. And then I can't run anymore, and I go flying off the car, and he goes speeding off and closes the door into the distance. Meanwhile, my body, the momentum of my body, uh, propels me into the street, into the intersection. I land on my arm, fracture my elbow, and go sliding between two cars about six feet into the intersection, where traffic thankfully stopped. <laughs> uh, so if there was ever a need to be a low-rent Jason Bourne, I really proved it. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and thankfully there were people there. There were people in that, that intersection, they came to my aid and they helped me and they called the police for me and I got to find some friends and they helped me out and sat with me in the hospital as I got my arm checked out and got me home that night. Now, there's the first real reason of telling that story because one, I wanted to get it on the podcast and two, I kind of wanted to say it, but there's also the, the other reason why I wanted to say it is so I could say thank you to people that might listen to this and to people who are here. Uh, because over the course of the next few days, this is probably, I went from being at a really high point in my life to being at the absolute lowest. And if you've never uh, been in the middle of Chicago, when you're from Alabama, and had all of your things taken in front of you, you watched your car go in the distance away from you and you have nothing and don't know anyone's phone number, it is the most humbling experience you'll ever have in your entire life. And the, to go to that low, and then have over the course of the next couple of days the most supportive people in the entire world help you. It was an incredible experience. I had the greatest outpouring of love from the notes, the emails, to my roommate being with me every day, you know, the jokes and the help. Someone ordered me a pizza. <laughs> <laughs> I shared with my roommate while I was high on Vicodin. <laughs> uh, 
to the car that I was lent to run errands, you know, and the, the kindness that was shown from people. And uh, an incident like that, when two guys do that to get some money so they can get drugs, you know, you really think you've seen, like, the depths of humanity. You've really seen what is horrible. And in that moment, I was shown also the height of humanity, that people are good. I got hundreds of emails and support. And while it's impossible to expect that level of kindness and sympathy shown at all moments of your life, it is really something that as human beings we should strive for. I don't mean to wax philosophical, <laughs> you know, but one of our, as a species, greatest wishes is to be remembered. And I will remember every single person who showed me kindness this past weekend. Even if it was small. I won't remember it. Um, lastly, uh, one of my oft-referenced monologues that I've told is the It Gets Better monologue. Right? And there's never been a time to put it into practice than with this incident. <laughs> and I can stand here today uh, with a new phone and new keys and new debit card and I found my card, uh, I can honestly say it does. So thank you all for, for listening and thank you people who might listen to this podcast for helping me and uh, be good to each other, guys. So, does anyone else remember what the other top two were besides Bowie? Bowie. It better be fucking Bowie. Bowie did not win. Thank you very much. Kevin, if you'll hit it, please remember the, the intro and then a little more. I did the I did the synth parts myself, by the way. Oh, please sing with me, you know the words. As I walk through the valley where I harvest my grain, I take a look at my wife and realize she's very plain. But that's just perfect for an Amish like me. You know what, Sean? Fancy things like electricity. At 4.30 in the morning, I'm milking cows. Jebediah feeds the chickens and Jacob plows. Fool, and I've been milking and plowing so long that even Ezekiel thinks that my mind is gone. I'm a man of the land. I'm too disciplined. Got a Bible in my hand and a beard on my chin. But if I finish all of my chores and you finish mine, tonight we're gonna party like it's 1699. We've been spending most our lives living in Amish paradise. A churn butter once or twice living in Amish paradise. It's hard work and sacrifice living in I just smiled at him and I turned the other cheek. I really don't care, in fact, I wish him well. Cause I'll be laughing my head off when he's burning in hell. But I ain't never punched a tourist, even if he deserved it. And Amish with the two, you know that's unheard of. I never wear buttons, but I got a cool hat. And my homies agree, I really look good in black, fool. If you're from the music, you'll be bored to tears. We haven't even played the phone bill in 300 years. But we ain't really quaint, so please don't point and stare. We're just technologically impaired. There's no phone, no lights, no motor cars. 
Not a single luxury Like Robbins and Caruso It's as primitive as can be We've been spending most of our lives Living in Amish paradise We're just plain and simple guys up the buggy, churning lots of butter, raise the bar on Monday, so I'll raise another. Think you're really righteous? Think you're pure in heart? Well, I know I'm a million times as humble as thou art. I'm the highest guy, the little omelets wanna be like on my knees day and night, scoring points for the afterlife. So don't be vain and don't be whiny, or else my brother and I might have to get medieval on your hiney. We've been spending most of our lives living in Stories is sponsored by the Chicago sketch comedy troupe The Nerdalogs and is recorded the third Sunday of every month at the Public House Theater, 3914 North Clark Street in Chicago. The stories you heard have been prepared and presented by the speakers on a volunteer basis. Special thanks to Sean Patrick Boyle for his help with recording. Our theme song comes from the band Stage Shirt. For more information on The Nerdalogs, your stories, and everything else, go to www.nerdalogs.com. <laughs>